Ezekiel 11, 14 to 21 is the first one. It's also in the news about. Uh, just a little context, Ezekiel uh, has been prophesying judgment on Israel uh, and crying out to the Lord, um, to the Lord uh, are you going to destroy all of Israel? Uh, and this is kind of God's reply to uh, Ezekiel's cry. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, the people of Jerusalem have said of your fellow exiles and all the other Israelites, they are far away from the Lord. This land was given to us as our possession. Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries, yet for a little while I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. And I'll give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I'll remove from them this heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to follow my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts are devoted to, the, to their vile images and detestable idols, I'll bring down on their own heads what they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Moving on to Ezekiel 36, 24 to 32. And a little context here is Israel's been in exile uh, and defiling God's name uh, and profaning it. And so this is what God says he'll do for his sake. I will take you out of the nations... I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees, and be careful to follow my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanliness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful, and, it will, and I will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field, so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for the sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. And then Matthew thirteen fifteen is the last one. And here Jesus has just told the parable of the sower and quotes this from Isaiah. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand. And I would turn and I would heal them. Thanks for that reading, Luke. It's great to be back after 
around, well, it's been four months since I've been up here and four months since I've actually been in this community, although I was here last week. But nonetheless, it's great to be back and I think what's really wonderful is to be back amongst family as well. You don't understand how much I've yearned to come back and just to hang out with everybody here. I look on social media and I feel a little bit oh, like missing out. <laughs> so it's great. It's great to be back here in this community. Uh, when I was younger, uh, when I was in my youth group, our youth group had this, I guess, relationship, our church had this relationship with this missionary organization called YWAM. Who's heard of YWAM here? Yep. So it stands for Youth with a Mission, and it's young adults basically spending a year um, put aside, you know, forgetting about work, you know, and studies. They put a year aside to learn the Word of God, but not only that, experience it through mission. So our church was very, very closely knitted with why. Um, and I remember as a youth um, and our youth group, our youth group was small, it was about five of us. We would have the privilege of traveling with the YWAM group as they did their mission. And I remember there was this one instance, this, this one experience that really transformed the way that I viewed God and the way that I viewed my faith. And we traveled to Sydney. I lived in Newcastle at the time. So we traveled to Sydney and we attended a soul survivor camp where the YWAM guys were running some workshops. And it was during that time that I encountered God for the first time. As a teenager, I believed in God my whole life. But I encountered the Spirit of God and it changed everything. I came back to my own church, passionate with this new, fresh zeal. I was alive within. I, wanted to, I had a hunger for God. I wanted to know more about him and his word. Has anybody ever felt like that? Had an experience where God met with you and you felt and you knew without a doubt that he was real. That was me when I was in youth group. An interesting thing is I left that youth group and we moved to Melbourne. And a few years later, we traveled back and I went back to my home church that I spent quite a few years in. And that group of us that really experienced the Holy Spirit, that group of us that really felt the move of God, that, that group of us that wanted to transform our church and our, you know, our neighborhood, that group, they were all sitting in the pews during worship with their arms crossed. And I realized then that having an experience with God is not enough. And I loved what Larry shared with us last week. The devil is in the long game. The devil is in the long game. And how you end up determines where you'll end up eternally. So we're going to look today, um, especially at Isaiah, but also I want to kind of weave through the Bible a little bit and have a look at what else is spoken about the hard heart. Because just like Ezekiel's day, we too are not exempt from getting a calloused heart. Why? Because we're human and we experience things. So when we have a change of heart, friends, everything changes. And I want to encourage you, open your heart today for what the Lord might be wanting to speak to you about. So first of all, let's take, can I have the slide up please? Let's take a look at um, Israel and just a couple of quick facts. I'm not going to dive too much in terms of context because we only got a short period of time. But just a couple of quick facts about Israel is that during that particular time in which 
um, Jeremiah was prophesying, there were a host of false prophets that were saying to the people, don't worry, Jerusalem will not fall. So here is Ezekiel trying to preach against that. And also Ezekiel has experienced waves and waves of attack from the enemy. So internally, they were discouraged. And as a result, their hearts were hardened from God because of their disobedience. So I'm going to just skip through. I think we, 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 you guys can read that in your own time. We're just going to skip through. And I'm going to go to verse 19. And this is what the prophet Ezekiel says. Despite all that's gone on, but despite the idol worship that was currently happening in Jerusalem, despite all that, there's a promise here. And it says that, Ezekiel says, and he's speaking the word of God, I will give them an undivided heart and I will put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. And then it goes on. I don't know about you, but I know very clearly when I'm doing something wrong. There are things, for example, you know, we, we all know that we are not supposed to lie. We know that we're not supposed to steal. We know, we know we're not supposed to cheat or be jealous. We know these things. But I just want to turn our attention to something a little bit different because I believe the devil can be incredibly sneaky. We've all heard the saying, the devil is in the details. But I believe the devil is actually in the shades of gray. Those things that are disguised as okay, but are nonetheless a sin and nonetheless draws us away from God. In my own life, I'll just give you a few examples for myself. In my own life, um, I went through Bible college. And during that time, I learned a lot about God. But also, at the same time, as I was learning the scriptures and learning about the word, I found my heart actually becoming increasingly distant to God. Because as I was searching the scriptures, I became a little bit of a know-it-all. But not only that, I started looking at it as an academic exercise. And I found that the process of going through Bible college actually drew me, in terms of knowledge, I had heaps but in terms of our, my relationship with God, it drew me further away. Shades of gray, a good thing, but done wrong. For some of us, perhaps it's our mortgage. You know, a mortgage, you know, it's good to be financially stable, but it can be so consuming because here you are indebted to this huge amount of money, and now you've got to work the rest of your life to pay it off. It can be consuming. Once again, not a bad thing to own a property. But because it's taken the focus away from God, it can actually take us down the wrong path. Movies. I love, I love horror movies, personally. Not recommending it here, you know. But I love horror movies, and the scarier it is, the better. But the thing is, is that really good for my soul? Could that, watching all these things, be numbing myself to what God is saying to me, especially when I'm watching things that are supernatural, that are demonic? What am I allowing in my life? You see, the thing is, sometimes we look at sin as being these really big red flags, and they are. 
But I believe the devil is also in the shades of gray because it's the small compromises over time that lead us to have a hard heart. And when we have a hard heart, we cannot receive anything from God. Second thing is unrepentance. And that's what we see um, again and again within the scriptures, within the Israelite story, and also within Ezekiel as well. People were unrepentant. In Ezekiel 18.31, just to quickly draw you to one verse, therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from your offenses, and, and do not let sin be your downfall. And then it goes on and talks about being given a new spirit and a new heart. And it says, why die, O people of Israel? So this is the struggle of Israel, and I think we all know it, but I think each and every one of us need to come to terms and understand that we need to repent before God. Even those little shades of gray. Even those little shades of gray. And what's beautiful about Ezekiel and these passages that we are reading he was prophesying into a situation, into a context, but he was also prophesying beyond that. Because we see when Jesus comes, when Jesus dies, and dies on the cross, when he rises again, we are also given a new life, a new identity, and a new heart. So let's take a look at Jesus' generation. So Pharisees. That's somebody that we know, each and every one of us know, that you know, they, they have hard hearts, and the scriptures actually talk about that. Um, Jesus said he's very sad, very, very, very disappointed by the hardness, grieved, actually, by the hardness of their hearts. But did you know that Jesus also used that in description to his own disciples? These are people who are standing, who are serving with the God Almighty, Jesus, in the flesh, seeing miracle, miracles upon miracles, and yet God, Jesus, says that they have a hard heart. Mark 8, 14 to 17, and we don't have the verses on the screen, so I encourage you to open up your Bibles and your apps, and I want to see you guys doing that now because you're all looking at me and not doing it. Okay, open it up. So Mark 8, 14 to 17. Got it open? The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf with them in the boat. Verse 15, be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed with one another and they were like, uh, is it because they don't have, we don't have bread? And in response to this, um, Jesus says, and he's aware of their dis discussion, why are you talking about having no bread. Do you not see? Do you not understand? Are your hearts so hardened? Do you not have eyes but fail to see and ears that but fail to hear? Do you not remember? You see, when you have a hard heart, it dulls you from understanding the purposes of God. It dulls you because the Holy Spirit speaks and works within us and brings to the surfaces the deep and great, I guess, teachings of the Lord. And also in his generation, Matthew 13, 15. And we read it before, and thanks, Luke, for applying a bit of context. It was lovely. 
Jesus, they, Jesus just performed, um, spoke in parables, and then he to- quotes Isaiah, and he says to his generation, so this is not even his disciples, he's talking about the generation in which he's in, and he quotes Isaiah, and he says, for the people's hearts have become callous, they hardly hear with their ears, they have closed eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, turn and I will heal them. Not only does it dull you from understanding God's purpose, it also dulls you from understanding God's kingdom truths, God's parables, his word. It will dull you having a hard and calloused heart. And it will also dull you in terms of experiencing the move of God personally in your own life, his touch. And last point, what I want us to focus on. So we had a look at Ezekiel's generation, Jesus' generation, all had calloused hearts. But what about us? What about this room? What are we experiencing? What are we feeling? Where are we with God? How sensitive are we to the Holy Spirit? And please turn with me to Revelation 3. This morning, we actually read from Revelation 2, but God's been speaking to me in terms of this evening service, and it's got more to do with Revelation 3. Um, I'm going to read it out if that's all right. And it's to the church of Laodicea, so 14, starting 14. So John is prophesying about the future, what's to come, and he talks and he prophesies about the church of Laodicea. To the angel of the church of Laodicea, these are the words of the Amen, faithful and true witness, the ruler of the God, God's of God's creation. I know your deeds. You are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one, one or the other. So because you are lukewarm neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from the gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. And then go down to verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. See, Laodicea was known for being a rich and wealthy society. And in many ways, even though sometimes we don't feel it, compared to the rest of the world, we are an incredibly wealthy community. We don't have to worry about when our next meal is. We have social welfare. And Laodicea was also known for its black wool. So that was the reason why they were wealthy. They would sell and trade black wool. Another thing that was incredibly fascinating about this church community, or actually this this area, is that Laodicea did not have its own water source. 
it did not have its own water source. So what they would have to do, in all its wealth and prosperity, they would have to actually buy and ship water over from other areas in order to go about everyday life, in order to do their washing, in order to drink. So when Paul is speaking to the people, he's speaking very, very contextually. He is saying to them, I would rather you hot or cold. I used to read it a little bit different and be a bit confused. Why? Why on earth would Jesus want us to be cold? Like, I'd rather you hot or cold. Why would, you know, why would God say that? Why would God reveal that in this vision? But considering the context, both hot and cold are good things. Hot, you can bathe. Hot, you can disinfect. Cold, you can also cook. You can do a lot of things. But when you have lukewarm water, which is what the Laodiceans had, it bred bacteria. It bred disease. Nothing could live in that water because there was no water flowing in or out. There were dead pools. And yet Jesus uses this illustration to describe the people. I would rather you hot or cold, but you are lukewarm. I want to ask you today, is your faith lukewarm? Have you had an experience with God, one sometime in your life, where you've felt the touch of the Spirit, but over time, things happen, these small compromises, you've just become hardened. We sit in worship, but yet we don't feel stirred. We feel distant. And it's very easy for that to happen. Okay, Ezekiel 36, 24 to 32. Firstly, let's have a look at 25. The good news is, it says here, I will sprinkle clean water on you. I will cleanse you from all your impurities of all your idols. What are some idols perhaps we have in our own lives? Just speaking in my own season at the moment, having a baby is incredibly time-consuming. Incredibly, I find that I don't have a lot of headspace for anything else at times. Is it possible that in the midst of caring for a little one, once again, shades of grey, it's a good thing, I have put the baby above my relationship with God. Shades of grey. He will clean you, thank goodness, if we give it up to him, if we reveal it to him. And Ezekiel 33 speaks into that. I'll sprinkle clean water on you and make you clean. Some of us here need cleaning. Some of us here need to repent. But God will not heal what you don't reveal. God will not heal what you don't reveal. So I encourage you, these little things, it's sometimes easy to gloss over, but we need to be a repentant community that is willing to bring these little areas in our lives before the living God and repent. What are some compromises we've made? Verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Notice that it says, I will do it. It's not through our own strength, but God will do it for us. But have a look at verse 27. It says that I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I will put my spirit, spirit in you and 
move you. The Spirit of God will move you to follow the decrees and the laws and obey God, but he won't make you. It's your decision. You, God wants to give you a clean heart. God wants you to walk in his light, but it's your decision. He will not make you. The Spirit of God will move you, but he won't make you. And second thing, first thing's repent. Second thing is we need to turn and obey, to, and obey Jesus. It's as simple as that. Can I talk from the heart for a second? Because I've had a lot of time to really think and ponder about our community and our church and especially you guys and me. And my concern is that this generation will miss their destiny because we're too busy scrolling through everybody else's. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not exempt of that. I'm, my concern is that just this generation will miss their destiny because they're too busy scrolling through everybody else's. Stop scrolling through everybody else's lives and run the race set before you. Your heart for God will take you further than your gifts ever will. And God is always more concerned about what's going, inside, going on inside of us than what's going on around us. And lastly, and this is what I want to leave, just have, leave with you guys and have you guys think about, is if the light that is on you is shining brighter than the light that's within you, then the light that is on you will destroy you. The light that is on you will destroy you. So how is your heart today? How receptive are we to the Holy Spirit? How willing are we to walk in his way? If there's anything that we need to, I guess, correct, now's a great time to bring it before God. We pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, this community, these people, um, they're not just a member of the congregation, but I really feel that they're my family, and I love them, and I want to see each and every one of them here connected to you. Lord, we just want to admit that um, life can be hard, circumstances can come up, um, we make compromises here and there, little, little compromises to our values. Um, and the road to, I guess, complete diso like disobedience is sometimes paved with very, very small, small sins that might not even, we might not even feel as significant. But Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you want to give us a new heart. And it is by your grace that you can give us a new heart. It is by your grace that we can actually experience you. We can have a relationship with you. We can be hungry, hungry for truth and righteousness and love for you. It's possible. But Lord, I just pray that as we gather together and in worship, Lord, that we will bring our hearts towards you and you'll just challenge us um, if there's any areas in our lives that we need to make right with you I pray that you will do it because we are not going to let the devil win the devil wants to disguise sin but we believe Father God that you are righteous and you see even the darkest crevices of our heart 
You know our thoughts. You know the thought process that happens before we even speak. You know that we can be conniving, we can be jealous, selfish. You know the pains. We just lay it all at your feet today, Lord, and we choose to obey. In Jesus' name.